Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. Um, I don't know if there's any good black news this week. I told y'all the travelers were in town for the season world trip. Yesterday, we were hanging out by the pool, and I got a breaking news alert about a lawsuit against former bad boy president Harv Pierre. His ex-assistant has filed a lawsuit saying he, quote, used his position of authority as her boss to groom, exploit, and sexually assault her. Bad boy is named in the lawsuit. We'll get into the details in a minute. We're sitting outside by the pool. Yesterday was beauty day, so most of the girls had gone to get their hair braided. A few of them stayed at the hotel to go to the spa. Another batch of us were just hanging out by the pool. So this lawsuit goes through. We go to dinner later that night. It was salsa night. Packed. Who knew? We get back to the hotel. I'm upstairs talking to Davida, my business partner. I get another breaking news alert. It was Jimmy Iovine, the co-founder of Interscope Records, huge music industry mogul. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? He's being accused of sexual abuse and harassment. We'll get into the details of that too. For the next hour, every time I refresh my Instagram, it was another announcement of a lawsuit. There were announcements of lawsuits against Jamie Foxx, Marcellus Wiley, he's an NFL player, and Cuba Gooding Jr. That's five lawsuits. And this is just against the black people. There were some more lawsuits filed too. I mean, Jimmy Iovine's not black, but he's in black spaces. I was like, WTF, what is going on? A year ago, the New York Survivors Act went into place. So women who had been abused, assaulted, harassed in some sort of way. Adult victims of sexual assault had a one-year look-back period, regardless of whether the statute of limitations had already expired on their claim. But they had a year to bring a lawsuit against their alleged attackers. So that's why there's been this onslaught of lawsuits. I'm looking at this story on AP News. It's not contrary to popular belief just black men that are being accused. It's not just black celebrities or celebrities in general that are being accused. I'm reading on AP, it says more than 2,500 lawsuits have been filed so far. AP notes that some of the lawsuits have targeted employers or institutions such as hospitals accused of failing to do enough to stop abuse by doctors and other workers. AP says the large majority, though, have been filed against the state, New York City, and local counties and involve allegations of abuse at state prisons and local jail systems. So the stories that we're hearing about are the ones that have the celebrity angle, but there are many, 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 thousands more stories that we're probably not hearing about just because they don't have a celebrity angle. For instance, there's a woman in this AP article, she filed a suit. She says she was raped multiple times while incarcerated in state prison and New York City jail. There was an onslaught yesterday. Obviously, we talked about the lawsuit that Cassie filed on Diddy, the whole episode last Friday. There's also a lawsuit pending against L.A. Reid by Drew Dixon. She also sued Russell Simmons. That's allegedly part of the reason that he's over there living in Bali now. I want to say she talked about Russell Simmons and L.A. Reid. Remember there was that documentary? I think it went on HBO Max where several women talked about being abused, assaulted, it was like three or four primary women, but it was like maybe 10, 12 women in the whole video. And I was like, y'all think all of them lying? But Drew Dixon says that she was 
sexually assaulted twice by L.A. Reid in 2001 while he was chief executive of Arista Records. Russell Brand has also been accused in a lawsuit of sexually assaulting a film extra during the making of Arthur in 2010. The AP notes that British media outlets in September published claims by four women who said they were sexually assaulted by Brand. He denies the assaults. He says their relationships were, quote, always consensual. Bill Cosby has been sued yet again, sexually assaulting a young comedy writer more than 50 years ago. She initially made the accusations in 2014 that are in the new lawsuit. I'm still going through the article. It says many more lawsuits allege assaults by relatively unknown people at everyday locations. One woman claimed in a lawsuit against a spa that she was fondled by a masseuse. Another woman who checked in airline passengers sued her employer over abuse by a manager. Of the 2,500 lawsuits filed, 600 cases relate to assaults in prisons and jail. I just want to give context to what's happening for people who don't go digging for this information, who may just get their news from specific sources, may think that this is just like some attack against celebrities. It's not. The stories that we're seeing on Shade Room or Bossip or Up and Down, our Instagram, Facebook, X, threads that we're seeing on our feeds are just the stories that are getting the most attention because of the celebrity component. But there's thousands of other stories from everyday people who are filing these lawsuits under the New York Survivors Act. I'm recording this episode on Thursday. It's the only free time that I have this week because the travelers are here. We have a day trip all day tomorrow, which is Friday when I usually do the podcast. And then today, they're actually out with DeVita doing a city tour. I joined them this morning for the first part of the tour. And then I had to take a break and come back to the hotel to record. I'll hook up with them again tonight for Thanksgiving dinner. So let's get into... These lawsuits will knock out the five biggest ones that happened yesterday. They were all up and down social media timelines. We'll get the details on what happened. Let's start with Har Pierre. He's the former bad boy president. And he was the first lawsuit that I saw yesterday. We'll go in order that I saw them. The lawsuit against Har. It's a former assistant. She says, quote, Pierre used his position of authority as plaintiff's boss to groom, exploit, and sexually assault her. She continues, Pierre engaged in a year-long pattern of grooming plaintiff, leading to sexual harassment of plaintiff and sexual assault. The anonymous assistant said she was sexually assaulted on multiple occasions from 2016 to 2017. And as a result, she suffered physical, emotional, and psychological injuries along with pain and suffering. Much like Cassie's suit, this is also a civil suit. The woman is asking for damages that will fully and fairly compensate her. This lawsuit obviously names Harve Pierre, but it also names Bad Boy Entertainment, Bad Boy Records, and Combs Enterprises as co-defendants, accusing the companies of negligence and gender violence. The lawsuit says, quote, defendants knew or should have known that Pierre was unfit to be in a position of authority before Pierre sexually assaulted plaintiff. The lawsuit claims that the companies failed to, quote, properly supervise Pierre, especially considering his access to individuals like the plaintiff. A spokesperson for Bad Boy tells Rolling Stone, 
They recently became aware of the lawsuit. This is part of their statement. They say the allegations are from many years ago and were never brought to the attention of the company. Neither the plaintiff nor the executive are current employees of the company. We are now investigating the allegations and our top priority is the safety and well-being of our employees. I'm reading this on Rolling Stone. They go to note that Pierre started working at Bad Boy in 1992. He was a college classmate of Diddy's. He worked his way up from an intern and Combs assistant to a director level position before leaving the company in 1995. He returned to become president until December 2017. Rolling Stone notes he calls himself a partial owner of the company that helped launch the careers of notorious B.I.G., Craig Mack, Mace, and Faith Evans. That's not good for bad boy. I just Googled to see if there was any response from Harv or Harv's team or anything like that. There's been no response whatsoever. Um, I did reach out to a friend who is really good friends with someone who works very closely with the inner circle of bad boy. I am banned from giving any details other than everyone at bad boy or affiliated even is just sitting back and waiting to see what comes out. Shit, I'm waiting too. All right, that's Harv. Who did I see next? I want to say Jimmy Iovine. This is also on Rolling Stone. They report a woman is filing a lawsuit against music executive Jimmy Iovine. Is filing. As of right now, a Jane Doe plaintiff filed a summons and notice and alleges Iovine, currently age 70, engaged in, quote, multiple instances of sexual abuse and forcible touching of her, including a specific incident of sexual misconduct that occurred in New York City in August 2007. Rolling Stone notes that the legal filing contained little information regarding the woman's specific claims, but a lawsuit is expected by the end of the year. The woman also alleges that she faced sexual harassment and retaliation and is seeking an unspecified amount of damages. Rolling Stone reached out to Jimmy Iovine via a spokesperson. They said they are, quote, shocked and baffled by the claim against Iovine. The spokesperson said this inquiry is the first we've heard of this matter. No one has ever made a claim like this against Jimmy, nor have we been contacted or made aware of any complaint by anyone, including this unknown plaintiff, prior to now. Um, If you're not familiar with who Jimmy Iovine is, I know his name from Interscope. I know his name from Beats by Dre. Remember they sold Beats to Apple for $3 billion, billion with a B, a few years ago? Very, very wealthy man. I just want to give you a hint of his influence on the music industry. Rolling Stone describes him as, quote, one of the most successful record executives of all time. Starting his career as a producer in the 1970s, working with artists including Bruce Springsteen, Patti Smith, U2, and Stevie Nicks. He co-founded Interscope Records in 1989, and he ran the label until 2014. His artists include Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Tupac through a partnership with Death Row Records in the early 1990s. Dr. Dre left Death Row in 1996 and founded Aftermath Entertainment under Interscope and continued working with Iovine. 
the label would go on to sign artists like Eminem and Kendrick Lamar. Other artists Iovine signed include No Doubt and Gwen Stefani, Lady Gaga, and Nine Inch Nails. He signed everybody. And then he also co-founded Beats by Dre, which I just said earlier, they sold to Apple for $3 billion. It remains the largest acquisition in Apple's history. Last year, Iovine was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, <laughs> this is major. Although we haven't seen the lawsuit yet. We won't until later this year. Also, I couldn't find the Harve Pierre lawsuit to get the details. Remember we went page by page for the lawsuit that Cassie filed on Diddy? I haven't been able to find any of the actual lawsuits. I can only find the journalist recaps at this point. I looked on Twitter, which always has everything. Twitter and TMZ don't have it yet. Not as of the time of this recording. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Who's next on our list? Jamie Foxx. Where am I going to read this at? Let's go Variety Magazine. Everybody's covering it. Headline, Jamie Foxx sued for alleged sexual assault at a New York bar. The woman identified in the suit as Jane Doe. It says the woman and a friend were seated at a table next to Foxx and the owner of Catch NYC. Around 1 a.m., the woman's friend asked Fox for a photo. They say Fox agreed. They took several photos. Fox began complimenting the plaintiff, saying, wow, you have that supermodel body. You smell so good. The suit also says Fox told the woman that she looked like Gabrielle Union. You know, Gabrielle Union sitting somewhere like, how I get in it? The woman alleges that Fox took her by the arm and led her to a more secluded part of the rooftop where he groped her breasts underneath her crop top. The suit says she was caught off guard and tried to step away, but then Fox stuck his hands down her pants and put his fingers on and in plaintiff's vagina and anus. The suit alleges that a security guard witnessed the groping but did not intervene. The woman's friend then came and found her and Fox stopped touching her and walked away. 
The lawsuit seeks compensation for pain, suffering, and emotional distress, anxiety, and humiliation. Also, did I note this is from 2015. The lawsuit also names the owner of Catch and Catch the Restaurant as defendants, alleging that they enabled the assault I guess the owner for sitting there and doing nothing and then the security guard for also doing nothing and failed to adequately supervise their employees. Variety notes that Fox reps did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The lawsuit was just filed yesterday. Like the same thing I told y'all on Tuesday when we were doing a little more conversation about Cassie and Diddy, I put nothing past anyone, especially when it comes to men and anything involving sex, consensual or otherwise. Like, did he do that shit? I don't know. He said he didn't do that shit. Okay, what did she say? I vouch for no men. I love me some Jamie Foxx. I mean, the persona of Jamie Foxx? Like, he's been famous for a really long time. We've seen him in the public light. But just like I didn't think, you know, Diddy would be around here kicking people in the goddamn face. I hope Jamie Foxx ain't do this shit. You know what's crazy? Is even though this is talking about, like, you groping a woman's breast and then you put your hand down her pants, essentially tried to finger her in the middle of a party, allegedly. I was like, this seems so calm after the Diddy lawsuit. I'm like, nobody got kicked in the face? <sighs> like, oh, it's just sexual assault? Like, it's not sexual assault and domestic violence? Nobody left with a black eye? The bar is in hell. Hell! Who else is on this list? Cuba Gooding Jr. This isn't his first rodeo. He's been accused of crazy shit before. What do we have on Cuba? Where are we going to read this at? Let's do it on deadline. I would just like to note that I just Googled his name, Cuba Gooding Jr. lawsuit. So we're going to read the deadline article from 17 hours ago, but it's just above a New York Times article from June 6, 2023. And it's Cuba Gooding Jr. settles federal lawsuit that accused him of rape. Let's read this article real quick. And again, this is the New York Times. On a summer night in 2013, a woman identified in court papers as Jane Doe. The plaintiff said Mr. Gooding introduced himself to her at a restaurant and lounge in Greenwich Village and later invited her to join him for drinks at the Mercer. I love the Mercer. The lawsuit said Mr. Gooding told the woman that he needed to quickly change clothes. He ushered her into his room on the fifth floor of the hotel, put on music by Mumford and Sons, and began to undress. When the woman tried to leave, according to the lawsuit, Mr. Gooding blocked her, pushed her onto a bed, touched her sexually over her repeated objections, and finally penetrated her as she tried to crawl off the bed. Via his lawyer, Mr. Gooding denied the allegations. Although the case did not go to trial, the New York Times notes that Jane Doe's lawyers wrote that they planned to call to the stand a man named Joe Eckhart, who worked as an assistant to Mr. Gooding in the early 2000s. In a written declaration, Mr. Eckhart described himself as, quote, an evening fixer for Mr. Gooding. He said Mr. Gooding often became intoxicated and groped women or touched them sexually without consent. Woo, God. Mr. Eckhart's declaration described Mr. Gooding used a method to lure women to have sex with him, which was to tell a woman that he needed to change clothes and have her accompany him to his hotel room. 
The trial would include not only Jane Doe's account, but also testimony from three other women who said Mr. Gooding had abused them between 2009 and 2019. The matter was settled before a single witness took the stand. The terms of the agreement were not made immediately available, but the deal averted a trial that would have examined the most serious allegations yet against Mr. Gooding. Again, the new, I'm reading this from the New York Times, who notes, Mr. Gooding had previously been accused by a score of women of groping or forcibly kissing them. I'm reading further down in the article. They said last year, Mr. Gooding resolved a criminal case in Manhattan without going to trial. He pled guilty to a single charge of harassment stemming from an accusation of kissing a woman without her consent. Another civil case brought in state Supreme Court in Manhattan and accusing Mr. Gooding of battery, assault, and the intentional infliction of emotional distress ended with a judge ordering him to pay $80,000 in compensatory damages to the plaintiff. So now we're going to discuss, oh, I'm sorry, there's two new lawsuits. Are you kidding me? I'm finally on deadline. The headline is Cuba Gooding Jr. faces two lawsuits over sexual assault claims under New York's adult survivor's law. <sighs> First line of the article, Cuba Gooding Jr. is facing two new lawsuits from women who claim that he groped them in separate incidents at New York restaurants in 2018 and 2019. My writing professor would have been pissed with that first line. Too many prepositional phrases. Not the point. In the 2018 claim, a cocktail waitress working at Lava. I've never been to Lava. But she accuses Gooding of forcing his tongue in her mouth without her consent. Deadline notes Gooding pleaded guilty to a charge related to this incident last year. The lawsuit includes a portion of the transcript from an April 22 hearing where Gooding admitted to the conduct. In the 2019 claim, a woman alleges that Gooding groped her breast after he sat down next to her and her girlfriend at Magic Hour Rooftop Bar and Lounge. The woman says that she removed his hand from her breast and then he took her hand and put it up to his mouth and tried to kiss it. Nigga. She filed a police report after the incident. Gooding also pleaded guilty. I guess this was criminal and then what she's currently doing is civil. Gooding also pleaded guilty and the lawsuit included a comment from his hearing in which he, Gooding, said that it was non-consensual physical contact. Yo, if this man is getting drunk and groping people, he needs to stop drinking. I mean, he also needs to stop groping people. But if the drinking is leading to the groping, you got to stop both, sir. Both. 20 women accuse you of groping them. You're a groper. You're a groping groper who gropes. Ew. In this most current suit, both plaintiffs are seeking damages for lost wages, emotional distress, punitive damages, liquidated damages, and attorney's fees. Good Lord. I literally have a list of people that have been sued. And I'm like, as I'm talking to y'all, I'm crossing it off the list. This is ridiculous. Not ridiculous. Shameful. This is some shameful shit. We have one more case. Marcellus Wiley, that's the NFL player, pulling up his case now. Wait, what? This is also on deadline. Marcellus Wiley, a former NFL star, ex-ESPN analyst, 
and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills husband. What? I don't watch none of them reality shows. They said the lawsuit filed on Tuesday by an unnamed accuser alleges that while Wiley was a sophomore at an Ivy League school and the running back for the school's football team, he, quote, sexually assaulted plaintiff, raping her multiple times in her dorm room. Oh, my God. The victim reported the rape to the university, but, quote, administrators expressed fondness for Wiley and doubted her claims, suggesting that, quote, the event was a misunderstanding. A residential dean allegedly told the victim Wiley did not rape her because, quote, she was not from America and had therefore misinterpreted defendant's conduct because people from different cultures interpret things differently. What? Columbia administrators, that's the school, assured the victim that they would discipline Wiley but not expel him. The university placed Wiley on, quote, academic probation, citing poor grades, but not sexual assault. Over the coming months, other reports surfaced of Wiley assaulting other students, but nothing came of it. The victim also named, I expected this, Columbia University in the suit for their, quote, callous, negligent, reckless, and deceptive response to and handling of plaintiffs and other students' allegations, which was unconscionable re-victimization of plaintiff, which caused psychological injuries, financial, and academic damages. Deadline notes that after graduating from Columbia in 1997, Wiley would go on to play for the NFL, including teams like the Buffalo Bills, San Diego Chargers, Dallas Cowboys, and Jacksonville Jaguars. He was also an ESPN analyst on Sports Nation. Oh, and Wiley will be featured in the current season of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, airing now on Bravo. Whoo! And yes, the wife is black. That's a lot. I'm reading this on Daily Mail. Marcus Wiley denies these accusations, branding the lawsuit BS, but admits he did mess around with the alleged victim. Daily Mail says he posted a lengthy video on his YouTube channel on Wednesday insisting that we did not engage in intercourse. Says the former lineman admitted that he was interested in the alleged victim and that he spent a night with her after allegedly being invited back to her room. The plaintiff, who has not been identified, says she lost her virginity as a result of the alleged rape and later attempted suicide. Oh my God. This is what he said about this in the video, which again, publicists and lawyers exist for the love of God, especially if you have a lawsuit, use them. His defense in this video, he says, if you're a virgin, I'm not going to be your first because I'm not looking at it with the same respect, esteem, honor that you should. We did mess around, but no vaginal intercourse. He said the alleged victim started, quote, talking trash about him after they spent the night together. He alleged that she started the rumors to cover the shame she felt for allegedly cheating on her boyfriend. He said she felt ashamed to mess with me when she got caught. She didn't feel ashamed inviting me over. She only felt ashamed when she knew there was no future with me. She doing all that allegedly because you spent the night and messed around, but your version didn't have sex. 
what he's describing is her reactions sounds like someone who had sex. I don't see nobody getting that caught up over just we spent the night together, we kissed, we cuddled. Maybe there was some uh, digital joy of some sort. I don't know, bruh. Again, this is why you have lawyers and publicists. These people are trained professionals. If you get into some shit, use them liberally. Get the best your money can find. Especially if it's criminal, but also especially if somebody's trying to stick you for your paper. And I'm not saying this as as a defense of, of people who've been accused of assault or harassment or any kind of groping, rape, any of those things. I'm just saying on some common sense shit, if you are accused of criminal shit or if somebody's trying to come for your money, get a goddamn lawyer and don't make any public statements without either your lawyer or your publicist. Ain't no lawyer approve him uploading this goddamn video on YouTube. The woman says she made it clear to Wiley that she was uninterested in sex because she was a virgin. She says in the lawsuit that despite that, Wiley began to rip her clothes off and forced her face down onto the mattress before raping her multiple times. Oh my God. Yeah, that's... Yeah. If she has the documentation from when she reported it to Columbia way back when, and it sounds like she does... Like she names a few names from people she talked to at Columbia at the time. We have one more lawsuit. Are we going to be able to get to Sheila today? This is a lot. And Bob is just more bullshit. I didn't mention this lawsuit at the beginning of the episode. We were just talking about like criminal and civil shit related to abuse or sexual assault. I want to talk about the lawsuit with Tiana Taylor and Iman Shumper. Her lawsuit, I think TMZ had it first. It came out 10 hours ago. But I'm reading the headlines, Vibes headline, Tiana Taylor filed from divorce for Iman Shumpert, citing emotional and mental abuse. And she filed in January. She didn't make a public announcement until maybe two, three months ago. Vibe notes that she announced their separation in September. In the lawsuit, uh, Taylor accused the father of her two children, Iman, of, quote, treating her cruelly and displaying extreme narcissistic behavior throughout the majority of their marriage. She said that she fought to keep their familial dynamic intact, despite Shumpert being, quote, extremely emotionally and mentally abusive towards her. She now considers their marriage to be, quote, irretrievably broken. In court documents, still reading on Vibe, Taylor noted that she, quote, began to intentionally dim her light for her husband to try to have a harmonious and peaceful marriage as Shumpert grew increasingly angered about her stardom. She claimed to have turned down acting roles and recording opportunities because he, quote, did not want her to work, but then complained when she stopped working after giving birth. She says despite reconciling briefly, Shumpert reportedly remained in an insecure state as his NBA career continued to wind down. It said Taylor first filed for divorce in 2022, but withdrew the filing after one day. She also says the one-time NBA champion allegedly cheated on her multiple times and once crashed her Rolls Royce, but fled the scene to evade a second DUI. In spite of the scandals, which she said were, quote, embarrassing and humiliating, Taylor said Shumpert, quote, reacted with further cruel treatment and selfishness. Shumpert reportedly moved out of their home in October. 
Vibe notes that the two met in 2011, were together for 10 years, married for seven, and shared two daughters, Junie and Rue. Taylor is seeking primary physical custody, joint legal custody, and child support. You remember last year, I wrote this article for a magazine, and the subjects of the magazine didn't like the article, so they asked me to rewrite it. Admittedly, the first version of it was a draft. It wasn't my best writing. I've been a journalist for like 20 some odd years. I've been asked by publications to interview a whole bunch of people and write stories. And the way the process goes is you get an assignment to interview someone. You do the interview. You write the story. You turn in the edits to your editor. Your editor reads what you've written, edits the story, usually gives you at least one round of notes. Then it goes back to the editor and then it goes up the chain to the other editors and then it's published. In this instance, I got a call from the subject's manager and they wanted to know if I was available to write a story. I had just done Nisi and Jessica's cover story for Essence. They liked the way that story was written. It was very much a love story. And they were like, you know, we want you to do a love story for us. I was like, okay, like this is very different from the way it's usually done. Like I usually get a call from the editor of a publication, not from someone representing the subject asking me to do it. But Certain people with enough star power do often get to choose who they want to write their story. So it's not too far-fetched. The difference in this situation was the subject's manager asked me to write this story. And then I got a call from the publication saying, I heard you talk to subject's manager. So here are our terms and this is what we'll pay you. Okay, cool. Did the interview with the subjects, submitted the first draft. And the editor hit me back and said, here are the notes from the subject of things they want you to change. And I was like, wait, what? Am I doing a press release or I'm doing journalism? The subject shouldn't be able to dictate to me what's in the article. And so she was like, here are some of the things that they said that I agree with and I think are worthy of making change to. And I was like, I'll make the changes that you're asking of me. But I was like, I'm not changing my article to make it sound like a press release for the subject. Because some of the things they were asking about, and she was like, can you talk about how emotional the subject became when the subject was talking about X, Y, Z? And I was like, she didn't become emotional. I was like, she started cursing a lot. But those are two different things. And then we went back and forth. And it was like, well, the, the subject says she cried. And could you mention that she cried? And I was like, the interview was on Zoom. She never cried. And that's not to say that she didn't care. She just didn't cry. You're wanting me to talk about shit that didn't happen. And you're wanting me to say things that were impressions that were made upon me as the writer that didn't occur. I made the edits that the editor said that she wanted. I resubmitted the story. I know when I turn in good shit. First round, not so much. The second round was good shit. Editor was happy. Publicists were happy. Subject wasn't happy. One of the subjects. The story was for Ebony and it was about Tiana and Iman. When I interviewed them, Iman had just won Dancing with the Stars and he was on tour. I mean, and they had like tour dates, three or four different cities every week. And it went on for at least a month. Tiana was, I want to say she'd finished taping the movie. I can't remember the name of it. She was, um, she was playing mom to a little boy. I don't think it had a release date yet, but she was starting to talk about it in the press. And then she was doing rehearsals for her final tour. So between shooting the movie and rehearsals and then Iman on tour, they were seeing each other when they could 
but it wasn't very often. Like they would see each other for like maybe a day and then he'd fly off somewhere and then she'd fly off somewhere. And then like maybe six days later, they'd have another day together and then they'd both fly off to other places. The focus of the article, because they asked me to write it as a love story, which I had no problem with. They were a very public couple. They'd been together, like, as I said, like 10 years. But the way I wrote the story was honest. It was about like these two people who are making love work in an unconventional way. Like they don't get to spend a lot of time together because they're they're both very career driven, but they still very much prioritize family. She did not want me to talk about how often they were separated. It was, and I was like, but you are. Like we're doing this interview on Zoom. Like I could have flown to you wherever you were and done the interview in person, but like y'all ain't never in the same city. So I still have the video from the Zoom interview. There's nothing to really post. Iman was shirtless and rolling up a blunt in the middle of the interview. And I was like, yo, he was in California. I was like, bro, I know it's legal, but it's also like Ebony. You, you couldn't like wait to smoke till after you couldn't put on a shirt for the interview, my dude. She hated the story so much. I have no idea what she said to the editors of Ebony, but they called me and were like, so, hey, um, she really hates the story. And so they were going to go in a different direction. And I had no idea exactly what they meant. And I was like, but you're paying me, right? Like in full. And they were like, we'll pay you in full. We've already put the paperwork into accounting. You'll get a direct deposit. And I was like, well, boom, as long as I get my money. And that was the end of that. The pictures came out great. Nobody ever remembers the story. They ran it as a Q&A. They literally just lifted chunks of the transcript, unedited, and just threw it up on the website. It went live and I got a notice from it. My name was in the headline and I was like, absolutely the fuck not. Please take that out immediately. I don't want my name associated with this. They did take my name down expeditiously, which I did appreciate. No hate, no harm to, you know, Tiana, Iman, the people over at Ebony. Whatever's been going on with them has been going on for quite some time. She says he's basically been an ass like the entire marriage. Let me read this on another page because some of the details that I read before are not in here. One of them is that he hasn't seen the girls since she announced their separation. She's like, it's been more than two months. He hasn't seen his daughters, which I was like, really? He very much seemed a hands-on father, but he also seemed like a doting husband too. You never know what's going on with folks just from pictures or even TV shows. Let me be a testament to that. Although, although in retrospect, many people, you know what? We're not talking about that. It's not about me. It's about them. I'm reading this on TMZ now. It says, in the lawsuit, Tiana details the demise of their marriage, accusing Iman of being jealous about her fame and feeling insecure about being good enough for her, despite the fact that he was earning way more playing basketball than she could ever dream of making in music. Tiana claims Iman would grow annoyed when they would attend public events together and photographers would ask him to step out of the frame. Yeah, I remember that life. She says when Iman signed a $40 million contract with the NBA Cleveland Cavaliers in 2015, the same year he was also paid $8 million by the New York Knicks, he remained aggravated by her notoriety, jealous of her acting career, and insecure about being her man. It said sources with direct knowledge tell TMZ, Tayana wanted to keep this private as long as possible, initially choosing to file with their initials. However, Iman's recent filing in the divorce proceedings included full names, thus thrusting everything into the spotlight. Tiana claims Iman has been sending her 
negative text messages with condescending and manipulative language in response to her being in the spotlight. She claims he would pick fights with her for no reason, even on her birthday, and then apologize. In the docs, which were filed in Georgia, she said she now feels Iman was, quote, treating her cruelly and displaying extreme narcissistic behavior through the majority of their marriage. She said she, quote, began to intentionally dim her light. Okay, we talked about this from the previous article. Tiana says she fought to keep her family together, despite Iman being, quote, extremely emotionally and mentally abusive towards her. She says she used her connections to get Iman gigs in Hollywood as his NBA career wound down, but says he unfortunately insisted on bickering to the point where in 2021, she began the divorce process. She says she finally pulled the trigger in January because, quote, she was unable to handle the emotional roller coaster. She says after she secretly filed for divorce, she says Iman insisted on them getting back together only to be lackadaisical and inconsistent and become involved in another cheating scandal, which she says was embarrassing and humiliating. She says when she announced their separation in September, and she said, to be a thousand percent clear, infidelity ain't one of the reasons for our departure. She says when she wrote that, she was just being graceful toward him. Eh, I get that too. She says Iman left their family home in October and hasn't spent significant time with their two children since then. Woo! She pissed me off with that ebony shit because I worked really hard on that article and it was really good. And I didn't do it for the money. I really just wanted to have three features in the same month. I just done the Essence cover and I did Dance and Idris for Hollywood Reporter. And I did Ebony. One, because I'd never written for Ebony and I just wanted to add it to my list of publications. Journalism as a writer these days, especially, it's not big money. It's cute money, but it's not like a bag money. It wasn't even rent check money. I really genuinely did it because I liked them as a couple. And my ego wanted to do three features in one month. She really pissed me off with that shit. And still, because this is how bad divorce is, I offer her my empathy and wish her the best. If Iman is the person that she describes him to be in this lawsuit, she about to go through hell trying to get away from him. I wish her the best. Um, her mother is her manager. Her mama don't play about her. Not as a manager, not as a daughter. I'm confident that she has a good support team. But yeah, if what she alleges about him is true, she about to go through hell trying to get out of this. That's a lot. This episode is a lot. I can't do Sheila and Bob today. I can't. It's, it's too much. It's overkill. Yo, this episode is crazy. Do we have no good black news? Is there nothing good to report? My traveler group in Ghana, they're absolutely amazing. I feel like they're going to be like the first group of travelers that came. They all fell in love with each other. I told y'all that first group of travelers, I hung out with them in Paris. Ten of them exited America for Paris to go see Usher. I got to see them while I was there. I I ran into one of them, because this is my life. I ran into one of them at the Louis Vuitton store. The big one, the main one. She was like, oh my God, we're all here and we're having dinner tonight. So I showed up to surprise them. I brought mom. They were the best. They were so good. This group reminds me of them. I feel like they'll stay in touch. (sighs) Oh, okay, seriously, this is it. This is last but not least. Remember last episode, I asked what a key party was because I'd never heard of it. 
all these people are my DMs explaining what a key party is. Basically, you go to a party and people would put their keys in a fishbowl, like their car keys, their house keys, whatever. You just go in the fishbowl and you pick out a pair of keys and whoever keys you get, that's who you fucking that night. I was like, that's, that's, that's too much. I'm going to stay in my little bland world where I don't, I don't have knowledge of any of this shit. I liked my life so much better before I knew about key parties and Cassie and Diddy. All this alleged sexual assault and all these lawsuits that we talked about today. Like, this is a lot for my life. I live a nice, clean, pretty straight and narrow life. I don't really do too much illegal shit. All this, like, abuse and crazy shit. I just want peace. Peace for everyone. And safety. A lot of folks ain't safe. All right. We'll talk on Tuesday. Unless something crazy happens, we can continue with the saga of Bob and Sheila. There's so much today. Okay, just bye, bye, bye.